What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Booth Review. As always, I'm your host, Devin Primrose, joined, as always, by the resident New Orleans Breakers fan around here. He's riding that wave of success that Nola has found. It is the one, the only, Mr. Peter Strauss. What's going on, man? That is the unanimous booth review number one in the usfl new orleans break number one i picked correctly if they weren't my uh championship pick they're my favorite pick and i'm gonna root for them all season long let's go hey that's fair that's fair i mean they, they look great i think uh kyle slaughter is looking like he might might be the best quarterback in the league right now which is crazy uh, considering who we thought would be the best going into the the, the season, but well, you know, we'll, oh. we'll 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 get into that later. How how, how you doing, man? How you, how's how's it going? I'm doing great. My uh, my camera's doing weird things. I don't know if that's on the stream or on my side. Uh, it is it is on the stream, but you know, it's it's an audio medium, so no worries on that. I mean, unless that's you're fair. unless you're watching it on on uh, Spotify, because Spotify yeah. is video now. They do do video podcasts now, but my face isn't the important one, so I guess it's fine if it's blurred out. Hey, you're the one that said it, not me. <laughs> oh man, well, I gotta, I gotta admit, I uh, did not watch a ton of action from this past weekend. Uh, I was camping on the top of a mountain for the weekend, um, so I watched what I could when I could, uh, and I saw a decent amount of. The Gamblers game, um, and then I watched the Breakers game, um, and and a little bit of of, of the, some of the other ones. But you know, I, I watched the highlights. I caught up on what I could, and uh, I'm I'm ready to jump into it, man. Yeah, same here. Didn't have a ton of time this weekend. I had a disc golf tournament on Saturday, and then just a bunch of extra cleaning and stuff we had to do this week around the house, but. Watched all of the highlights I could, looked at all the stats, got some numbers. I got some numbers for you this week. Oh, and, uh, man. You're hitting me with the numbers like Blake used to. I like it. Somebody's got to. I yeah. like it. I'm here for it. Uh, how, yeah, how, how'd you do in the disc golf tournament, man? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> did not did not do good. Uh, hey, is... I, I'm feeling... I'm feeling Pretty decent about my disc golf skills after today. Set a new personal best drive uh, of 333 feet. So I'll take it. Hell I'll yeah, take dude. it. Uh, I'm getting getting there, getting them skills built up. But let's uh, let let's let's hop right into it, man. Who who do you got for your best of the booth from this past weekend? This was a tough one because there was a lot of good play from a lot of players, even on on losing teams. Like there was a. Uh, was it Michael's sap or something like that for the Maulers? Yeah, had yeah, a, yeah. Uh, he had the interception. I think it was a full pick six. I think he had the pick six, and he had a blocked kick, I think, also. So a lot of good play there. Uh, New Orleans Breakers, I got to go with my team here. I could have easily gone Sloter because Sloter had a hell of a game. Sloter put but on going show. back, going back and watching highlights... Seeing Jonathan Adams, just it seemed like every catch he mossed somebody. It seemed like every single catch he like jumped the height of the dude to get the ball. 
Um, only five catches, but they were for 92 yards. This man averaged 18 and a half yards per catch with his longest only being 30. So, like, he was getting at least 10 yards every time he touched the ball. Um, and I think, I don't think they ruled that touchdown. I didn't see a touchdown on the stat line. No, there, so there was no touchdown. The the big the big first big play of of the day for him was the two point conversion, um, where he somehow managed to get both those feet in bounds on just a crazy acrobatic catch. Gotcha. Yeah, that was again one of those things where he just jumped up and grabbed the ball. He was moving around. I think of the wide receivers, he was like last week. It was. Uh, it was Mitchell and Satterfield this week. Adams was definitely up there and one of the top receivers to watch with also having one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback currently in the league throwing to him. Uh, they demolished the Tampa Bay Bandits. So my best of the booth is going to wide receiver number nine of the NOLA Breakers, Jonathan Adams. Yeah, that's 100% fair and, and warranted. I mean, that guy was a a human highlight reel uh, this past weekend. If he doesn't get a, uh, you know, a, a call from, from a couple of NFL teams going into next season, it is an absolute travesty. The way that that kid looked uh, this weekend was phenomenal. I mean, amazing hands to go up and get, get some of those passes, amazing athletic ability to, to toe the sideline the way he did. I mean, I, 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 Hopeful that he only improves over the next, you know, eight weeks that we have left of the season, uh, and, and really makes a name for himself and go out there and get get a couple tryouts for sure, because he he is skilled, skilled. I tell you, yeah, like again, literally every time he touched the ball, he either got a first down or the two point conversion. Like that man was a big part of keeping their drives alive and keeping Sloter. You know, and keeping the defense guessing. Like, if this man can go up and catch the ball, you got to put two on him. Yeah, absolutely. Allow Sloter to throw the ball around, so. Absolutely. I'm glad you chose him because it also gives us a little bit of a chance to talk about Kyle Sloter, who is quickly becoming a, a, you know, as much of a household name as somebody in the USFL can be. I mean, I think anybody who's watched the last two weeks knows this kid's name. He looks very good. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you could make an argument that he is Probably the MVP of the league two weeks in. Uh, my best of the booth that I'm about to talk to could also make an argument for that. But, uh, I mean, we, we, we got treated to a couple of, of fantastic quarterback performances, and his was certainly one of them. And that, that Breakers offense is looking more and more explosive each week. Uh, and and we, that's something we talked about in the, you know, before week one, that Fedora likes to run an explosive offense down the field, vertical, you know, type offense. And so far, it's looked that way, and it's been fun to watch. I'm definitely here for here for that. Oh, yeah. And I think Sloter, if he had the most yards, or if uh, your best of the booth might have gotten a little bit more, but uh, 25 for 39, 266 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which... For a lot of quarterbacks this week, no interceptions. That's a big deal. Is the, is the key part of that? Yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, your 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 best of the booth kind of tees up mine as we get into the quarterback talk. So I'll just hop right into it. My best of the booth is quarterback 
for the Philadelphia Stars, and I cannot believe I'm saying this because I didn't think Philly would be any team to watch going into the season, but it has to go to Mr. Brian Scott. I mean, the kid looked phenomenal this past weekend. Uh, he was 26 of 36, which is 72.2% completion percentage for 272 yards, which is 7.6 average, three touchdowns, only the one pick. Uh, we talked last week about that Mahler's defense holding Tampa Bay to 17 points in week one uh, and, and looking very good. The secondary being very good. Now, as we get into talk later on, that might be more on Jordan Tayamu not being as good as we thought. Uh, but either way, Brian Scott just, just torched the secondary. I mean, he lit that secondary up. Like I said, 72% completion percentage, three touchdowns, just the one pick. And he had a rushing touchdown to go along with it, showing a little bit of mobility, showing some athleticism. Six six attempts for 16 yards, uh, including one big touchdown where he he scrambled out of the pocket on a, I think, I believe it was a third down to pick up the first, got back up and hurried the offense before they could review the play and got the next play off to, to scramble in on a quarterback sneak. Just... You know, uh, amazing uh, IQ to to be able to think that quickly and know that hey, let's get this playoff before they can you know challenge it, review it, whatever, and then and then stop it all off. The end of the the near the end of the game, he threw the first three point conversion in in USFL history. Uh, a nice little dump off pass um, about two or three yards down the field and let his receiver pick up the rest. It, I mean. There's nothing bad you can say about what he did this weekend. I, th I think he had a phenomenal day. Yeah, he might have been, like I said, his only blemish is that one interception. Everything else, uh, like, slightly higher than what Sloter had. Uh, yeah. I think only, like, eight more yards or six more yards or something like that. So, super close play from those guys. Going back, watching the highlights and seeing that play of him rushing, getting the first down, and then... Cheese, cheese, cheese. I'm like, okay, yep. just running a sneak or whatever. But he literally, they called cheese because he cheesed them. He faked the sneak <laughs> and jumped out and went around. Yep. It was incredible. Yep. One of, that's got to be one of the top five plays of the week just because of like the situation and right, the execution right. um, of that. That game, honestly, I thought was going to be the biggest stinker, but that, that game was close. I, I don't really want to give credit to Kirby Wilson. I'm going to give it to Josh Love for. And the yeah, defense. that's that's fair. I mean, you talk about a quarterback finally stepping up for that team and, and playing well. Love looked good, and you know, <laughs> Blake Blake posted in the Discord just to plug our Discord as if we don't do it enough. Uh, Blake posted in the Discord that he was watching his first USFL game this year, and it happened to be Pittsburgh and Philly. And I think I I wrote back on there saying something like, "Well, you chose you know the, the stinker one to to pick," and I had to go back and say, actually. Uh, looks like you picked a good one because it actually turned out pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, like Josh Love had had the few picks, but going back and watching the highlights from those picks, two of them were on tip passes. Like it was right. just his, his aim on those were a little bit off, but they got a run game like established. Josh Love stepped up, and I think the defense through last week and the this week is still the heart and soul of that team because Josh Love yeah. didn't 
feel like it didn't feel like he was there until after that. Uh, I think it was a scoop and score that the Maulers had. Yeah, but you uh, know, I mean, un- unlike week one for Pittsburgh, you know, in week one, the defense was the highlight of that team, the heart and soul, absolutely, because the offense could do nothing. But in week two, the offense actually looked like it was capable of of playing like like a USFL team should. Like this, these guys looked decent out there. Uh, I still want to see more consistency from them. That's why I have them as you know my my worst team in the USFL in in, in my power rankings. Um, but I think that there's something brewing there. Uh, I, I I think Kirby's got do some work and make some magic happen to, to get a little bit more out of them to get that consistency. But I think that defense can hang, you know, with anybody. The defense, I think, can 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 shut down almost any team um, and, and, and keep their offense at least in the game. Yeah, as long as their offense can keep producing, they need to establish the run, too, is a big part, which they did this week. Uh, yeah. Get that run game a little higher. Still not great, but... Groshek got 77 yards on 18-23 average. London got 46 yards on 10 attempts, so 4.6 average. Is a lot better than they did last week. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, speaking of of quarterback play, I think we both went with some quarterbacks for our under review, and I'll just hop into mine. I'll go ahead and kick us off. Uh, being the the Gambling man that I am, and the gambling fan that I am, fan of H-Town's own Houston Gamblers, I have to go with the poor, poor quarterback play of one Clayton Thorson. This is really, like, it's not entirely on week two's performance. Uh, some of the some of the reason why I picked him is on his week one performance too, but it was not a good weekend for him um, against the, the Birmingham Stallions, which, you know, we both have Birmingham as, as our number two team in the league for a good reason. They're a great football team and Houston did come close to have a chance to win that game. But Clayton Thorson did them no favors. On the day, he went 13 of 27, which is 48%. You cannot win when you're passing 48% unless your name is Tim Tebow. (laughs) He passed for 141 yards. He did have two touchdowns, but he had three picks. Three picks. On the season, through through two weeks so far, he's gone 22 of 44 for 50%. 214 yards total. Three touchdowns, four picks. That's not a good touchdown-to-interception ratio. You can't win when you're throwing that many picks. Throwing for 50% through two games is terrible. 214 yards through two games is terrible. Sloter and Scott just outpaced that in one game. In one game. Is Thorson the uh, the Jameis Winston of the USFL? I mean, it's looking that way. It's looking that way. Like, they've got to do something about this quarterback play. And unfortunately, their, their backup... Uh, Kinji Bahar has, you know, he's he's done what he can, but like he's not looked good either. So 
something's got to happen there in Houston. Someone's got to got to work some magic to fix the quarterback problem because it's it's bad and it's costing them games. As I you know, I credited the defense for 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 keeping them in this game. It was it was a five point game. They could have won this game if they had a little bit better offensive play, especially from the quarterback position. They could have won this game. Luckily, they've had Thompson back there at running back, who has been stellar for them through two through uh, through two weeks for them. But this quarterback play is atrocious. It's terrible, especially for a team that is in these games. Like they could have won on on Sunday, and they didn't, or Saturday. Yeah, it was going back and watching. Like Thorson was also the the victim of tipped passes getting interception and like some misplay like that. But when it's, but some that, of that's some of that's ball placement that, though, you know, like some of that yeah. is on him for placing those balls in positions to where if they are tipped, it's an interception. Like you can place a ball in a better position. Yeah. And when it's that close, like, and all it takes is for you to be a little bit better. Exactly. Then, then you just, you got to do like just a couple more completions. Exactly. And skate, it's a whole different ball game. So, yeah, and, I and, agree with you, you know, there. As a Gamblers fan, I'm hopeful that that he can be the guy. But man, he's got to step it up. And I know he's faced two relatively tough defenses, especially the Birmingham defense. Birmingham's defense is fantastic. Michigan's looked solid in Week One. Maybe it's got something. Michigan has a lot of things they got to figure out. Um, but I mean, it's it's two bad performances in a row. He's looked good for one half. Of the two games, and that was in week one, the first two quarters of the year, he looked decent. And then Michigan must have figured something out because the defense flipped and was able to shut him down in the second half of week one, which helped them stay in that game. Right. But week two, he went in and was shut down from the get go. Birmingham shut him down. He was not able to get much of anything going. I know he does. Have, he did have the two touchdowns, but that team. It was just a bad performance. Bad performance. Yeah, and then especially when on the other side of the Stallions, I mean, uh, Jamar Smith throwing bombs, uh, 20 for 30, 229 yards. Uh, also, on the other side, rushing, uh, C.J. Marable yeah. getting another touchdown for CCU. Uh, basically five yards average, 16 for 76. Like, when you're against an offense, it, like... In the NFL, it's like you're playing a, a Cowboys or a Chiefs or, you know, somebody who's going to score a lot of points. You also have to score a lot of points or you're going to lose. It exactly. seems like It seems like with the Stallions and maybe also the Breakers, now that they got their groove a little bit, if you can't put up 30, you're going to lose. Yeah. So yeah. you, you got to step up your play just a little bit there uh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of bad quarterback play. I am putting two quarterbacks under review. All right. Specifically, the two quarterbacks who, before the season started, were fighting for the top spot. These were the two quarterbacks that uh, that we were like, oh, man, is, is Patterson the best or is Tommy the best? And it turns out they're the two worst, probably. <laughs> they both, through two weeks, like, the Bandits got to win in week one, sure, but they, like, the Maulers weren't in their groove. The Maulers couldn't score any points. Yeah. 
You only had to put up 17. The the defense got that win for them in week one. For sure. And then this week, Kamu, uh, 8 for 18, because they put in their backup for a little bit, who was even worse. Um, so 8 for 18, only 44.5%. Only 62 yards and a pick. And then also for the Panthers, Shea Patterson, 14 for 29, which is 48.3%. Only 124 yards and uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So if if it's a battle for the worst, Tamu is at the bottom right now. But Patterson's yeah. not too far behind. For yeah. two guys, like... For two guys to be showed up by old man Sloter, who <laughs> accident We talked about it week one. Accidentally went to college. He went to a college, a no-name, Occidental, whatever college. I don't think has ever played a snap of NFL football. He tried out for a few teams, but I don't think he ever actually got signed. Uh, I mean, he he played in the preseason for a couple of teams. Okay, played yeah, in the preseason, yeah, but never, but still, like, never, yeah, yeah, never regular season. For these two guys to have actual college experience, to come in here and just, just basically make. The games they're in, not fun to watch, almost. Like, the Panthers' defense kept that game close uh, for against the Generals. And the Generals, like, were a little off. So that game was close. But they could... The Bandits were just toast against... I mean... Yeah. It was... Uh, in the NFC North, it was a Packers versus Lions situation yeah. where it's just one team got... Launched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I spoke in week one about Patterson not being able to hold, hold on to the ball. And uh, I credited that mostly to bad weather, but I might have to take that back. I mean, he still can't hold on to the ball. He had another fumble this week. I think he might have had two fumbles this week. He, like, you can't fumble the ball that many times. Whether whether you lose them or recover them, whatever, like you can't fumble the, the ball that many times and expect to win. You're just giving the team free free turnovers. He had another fumble, but not just him. Scarlett, no, one his, of the running yeah, backs, has two. His Pollard team, had one. His whole team can't hold on to the ball. <laughs> but and that's yeah. like that's that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 crazy because Shea Patterson. You know, we talked about this. This is the kid that probably had the best college experience out of anybody going to Michigan, being a star at, at Michigan, uh, really making that Michigan team look good and have a shot at a potential national championship. They were in talks a couple of the years he was there. Um, and, and Taomu being the star of the XFL for, for the Battlehawks, these two guys going in had a lot of talk about them. They should have... You know, come out and and looked crazy good in this league, and they've fallen flat. and And those are two teams that should be competitive, um, and they haven't been. They haven't been. So, both both those quarterbacks being under review, absolutely warranted. Clayton Thorson being under review, absolutely warranted. I want to see these guys look better because uh, it's fun when you have quarterbacks that that 
look like Sloter and Scott did this weekend, going out there and putting up numbers and putting up, you know, some some points and making some highlights for the USFL, getting eyes on the USFL. I think it's only good for the league, and it's not good when you have two bums at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, because we had some great quarterback play too. Like we we talked about all like a few of them. I think Josh Love, uh, Boston, or yeah, we had Scott. Uh, we had Jamar Smith still throwing dimes again. I mean, there was some great quarterback play in there too, but it's just, you know, especially when depending on what network some of these games are on, like luckily the Mullers and Stars ended up to be a great game because I think you said it. It's yeah. like, man, like why is this the game that's on? And then Panthers and Generals was on USA and that game was really slow. So I think yeah. that's also a... Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's also a good thing to happen. So... <clears throat> Yeah. Well, what we got for uh, legit or counterfeit this week? Okay. Seeing the highlights made me think, and I think we didn't put them under review because I wanted to talk about it here. Kicking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you you know me and my love of kickers. Kicking (laughs) in the USFL is awful. (laughs) It's terrible. Is it is it legit or counterfeit? Before you make your decision, let me let me throw some. <laughs> at you. Uh, uh, for reference, and the page I found was specifically NFC, but in the NFC, the twenty twenty one season, the lowest total, the lowest field goal percentage was seventy three and a half percent. Okay. That was green because Mason Crosby had a weird year. Yeah, it's because he's getting old. Yeah. The uh, lowest extra point percentage was 81.6%. So it's like, yeah, stuff happens, but, you know, that's still, that seems kind of low for extra points, but at that day of the day, not as it could be. Yeah. If you average those two numbers, the total amount of, Kicks by the worst team would be seventy-seven and a half percent of all kicks between okay. the two worst teams in kicking in the NFC. Yep. Week one, which they did improve. Week two, week two, they went ten for thirteen on field goals, twelve for sixteen on extra points. So seventy-seven, seventy-five. Uh, so average seventy-six percent for all kicks. That improvement was because they changed the ball. So week so week one they were still using the ball the ball that has the chip in it for the uh, for the technology the first down technology oh they were, really they were using that for kicking in in week one and the kickers all complained about it which you know I figured there had to be something going on for all of the kickers to miss like all of the field goals yeah uh, and then week two happened and they still were missing field goals just not as bad. But yeah, yeah, yeah they, as... they they change it to where they're kicking balls that don't have the chip in it, which is how it should be. Not as many because week one, <laughs> week one field goal or extra points was thirteen for fourteen, so extra points was solid. But again, it's you know like a twenty yard try or whatever. It's supposed to give it's supposed to be a give me point anyways. That's why it's an right. extra point. It's like oh here's a little bonus. There you go. It's a little freebie. If you had to guess. What would be the field goal percentage for week one? For 13 total field goals, 
How many uh, of them were good? I would say two. You're lowballing a little bit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the, probably four. It's five. Okay. Five made field goals out of 13 tries for a 38% success rate. Yeah, that's awful. That's so terrible. total, total for the league for two weeks, field goals, 58%. Extra points, 83%. Total kicks, 71%. Which are a lot lower than what the... And again, it's NFL versus USFL. Right. But it's... It's kicking. I mean, if you could take any stat and compare it to the NFL, it's going to be, you know, lower in the USFL. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, these guys aren't NFL players. They're aspiring to be NFL players one day, potentially. Uh, but for most of these guys, they won't They won't get there. And if they do, it'll, it'll be, you know, second or third string at best. Um, but I'm going to say counterfeit. Like, I don't think that through two weeks, I don't think it's worth it to try and kick a field goal at this point because all of your all of your kickers have shown that they can't consistently kick field goals, even with the switch the switched uh, you know kicking balls. They they can't consistently kick the field goals. So why if if you're unless you're say. I would say if you're at like the 20 yard line and it's like fourth and 10, okay, then try it, whatever. But if you're if you're at 35, why why even send the kicking team out there? Just go for it because if you turn it over, all these defenses have shown that they can stop the other team. The offenses have not been powerhouses unless you're New Orleans or uh or Birmingham. So if you turn it over, whatever, who cares? And if you punt you're probably going to kick a touchback if you're, if you're that close. But uh, you could go for it and, and make it. Why Why not go for it? Why not risk that? And, and the same with, to me, the same with two-point conversions. I mean, this league would be perfect for Brandon Staley and his love of, of, of going for it on, <laughs> for two. Because, again, I, I feel like with the way the kickers have performed, it's not worth it to send your kicking team out there to try and kick for one point when the likelihood and statistics – Probably point that it's just as likely for you to go out there and get two points. Why would you not go for the two? Yeah, so, the I'm only, gonna say the, counterfeit. Yeah, the the only reason I see extra points is like that kind of strategy of like, okay, how can we stay, you know, more than a field goal ahead of them, right? How many points do we need, or how many points do we need to catch up so we only need a field goal to get them? So it's like the easiest kind of you know situation there, but. I'm going to agree counterfeit also because one thing looking at the scores from the couple weeks is that none of the games have uh, none of the games have been within three points of the final score. The closest game, the Generals and Stallions was a four point difference. The Panthers and Generals was a four point difference. Uh, Stallions and Gamblers they were a five point difference. But like none of them are getting to that point to where a field goal is making or breaking them. Right. So, so why just just do it? This is exactly. the fun league. This is the fun league. Okay, yeah. we're not it safe here. 
Again, want, again, go get Brandon Staley to coach of the USFL. I, like I'm, <laughs> the defenses are spearing people. I want to highlight a dude caught a ball. Dude, like just outran a guy, caught a ball for a touchdown, and handed the player the ball, like stuck it in his chest. Like there is taunting in this league, and it's sick. It is awesome. Yeah, no, no stupid fifteen yard penalties for taunting. Yeah, this is the fun league. <laughs> And personal fouls, if the refs call a dumb personal foul, Mike Pereira is like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I, I just think to me, like, you look at all of the coaches across the NFL. Take the NFL, for example. All, all the coaches, they're relying on data and statistics and analytics and all of that, which, you know, you can get into a whole argument as to whether or not people have taken it too far or, or not, which I think me and Blake did at some point during the season. Um, but teams in the NFL are going for two more and more after touchdowns because the risk is worth it, statistically, for the most part. So if you are naturally kicking worse in this league, why would you not go for two more often? I just, to me, that's that's what it boils down to, is I think that I think teams should be going for two on every touchdown, honestly. Uh, go for three if, if you feel like you can get it. We just had the first three-point conversion this past weekend. I mean, maybe, maybe we can get some more, because that's awesome. I love that you can go for three. Give them all the points. Um, yeah, I just... Just hate kickers, man. It's just that's just the way it's gonna be. I hate them with the NFL. I'm gonna hate them with the USFL. It's just what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're paying these guys. It's not like you're paying these guys millions of dollars. They're not a huge like. Oh, we need these guys to kick because we pay them a lot of money. No, just have them do kickoffs. They have to run back kickoffs now. Yeah. <laughs> so have them do kickoffs. Get the cool drone cam shots, and just and just let them do that. And they I mean, need to punt the ball too. It's still it's still just frustrating because you have one job. You have one job. You're not out there in any other play. You have one flipping job to go out there and kick a ball through the uprights. That's it. Just do your job. Just do your job. That's all I'm asking for. You know, do your job as well as you know these quarterbacks doing theirs, which is fifty percent. Go out and hit fifty percent of your kicks, and I think you'll be fine. But these guys can't even do that. I think yeah, we should, I think we got I think we got to move on before I get way heated <laughs> over stupid kickers. <laughs> did we talk about yeah. our power rankings? Do you want to talk about our power rankings at all? We didn't last week, but we can this week if you want to. I mean, we're both pretty similar. Uh, we're so- a bit different this week. I mean, we're so not maybe... we're not that different. My my power rankings for this week are in the number one spot: New Orleans Breakers, second Birmingham Stallions, third New Jersey Generals, fourth Philadelphia Stars, fifth Houston Gamblers, sixth Tampa Bay Bandits, seventh Michigan Panthers, and eighth the Pittsburgh Maulers, who I think just still have to show me a little bit more consistency. But who you got? So I got. Our first two are the same. Number one, New Orleans Breakers. Go, go Nola. Uh, number two, Birmingham Stallions. Number three, I got your Houston Gamblers. Yeah, you, you're giving them way too much credit. Or you're not giving them enough credit. 
Uh, could, could could be a little bit of column A, a little column B. I also <laughs> might have been a little harsh on the New Jersey Generals, but the New Jersey Generals, I got at number four. The Philadelphia Stars, I got at number five. The Pittsburgh Maulers, I moved up to six. And we'll get into that in a second. The Tampa Bay Bandits, uh, they were my worst defenders this week. They went down three spots to number seven. And Michigan Panthers, my prediction to win the entire league is sitting at the bottom at number eight. Yeah, our uh, our preseason prediction for champions are looking real bad uh, two weeks in. <laughs> Panthers look terrible. Uh, so the really the, the, the two major discretions that we have are the gamblers and the maulers to me like i said earlier the, the maulers i think just need to show me a little more consistency they looked they looked like they had some offensive power this past weekend uh, i want to see that continue i want to see love continue to develop as as you know a, a good starting quarterback for them i want to see that ground that ground game get going a little bit more the defense is there already i think the defense can can at, at the very least slow down most teams but they just got to have an offense to put up points with it. That's that's all it is with them. Uh, and and I, I'm hopeful that, that they'll get there. But for now, I've got to keep them in, in the eighth spot until they can show me that they can actually win a game. Um, for the Gamblers, my problem with the Gamblers is pretty much the same, the same thing. I just think the offense has been better for the Gamblers, but it's still not, it's still not there. Like, they need quarterback play. That's what they need. We, I had Clayton Thorson under review for a reason. Uh, they they just need good quarterback play. They were in a, a game this weekend that they could have won against the uh, the Stallions, and if they had a quarterback that was competent, they would have won, but they didn't. Um, so that's why I'd, I have them in in fifth. Why you have them in third is beyond me. So I have them in third because. So back-to-back weeks, they won uh, last week, and then this week they lost, but it was a close game. Even with the lack of quarterback play, their defense still looks really good. Their run game For looks sure. good. Like, like everything else about them is well-rounded enough that I think puts them ahead of other teams. Like, the Generals, I, I'm I was looking at stats and stuff, and I couldn't figure out what went wrong. Looking at stats, looking at highlights, like, they should have had more points than they did, and they just didn't. Yeah. And that, to me, just looking at this week, like the Gamblers figuring out a way to score points against a really good team, and the Generals not being able to score against a, to me, a significantly worse team, just had me throw the Gamblers above them. And then the Stars, I'm the Stars, I'm still like they had some play this weekend. Uh, I just. I'm also still a little skeptical because of Maulers, even though the Maulers, I think, played a lot better than last week. Yeah, but look what they did in week one. They played the Breakers in week one. Yeah. And and they held their own. Like, that was a one-possession game against the team that we both have as the number one team in the league. Yeah, so, I think I think part of me just didn't think the Generals deserved to go down three spots. That's so fair. I think I just, I just left it there. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me it's really... I think that we can both agree that I think the Panthers and the Maulers are the worst two teams in the league. You you might agree with that. I mean, you have the Bandits down there too, which the Bandits are pretty are pretty close. I don't but, know. 
the, it's the, those three for sure. Those break, three, right? Like, definitely. But breakers and stallions are definitely the top two. I think you could put those in either order, and it and I would agree with it. Uh, but the generals, stars, and gamblers are the same way. I think you could put those in any order, and I probably would agree with it also. I think they're all very close to being, you know, same spot. So it's really like you could break this down into three spots and flip the teams however you want. In my opinion. There's, yeah, there's, there's clear-cut middle-tier middle tier teams, clear-cut favorites, and clear-cut terrible teams. Yeah. So the reason I have the Maulers at 6, I have the Maulers ahead of the Michigan Panthers, who are also 0-2. But I also have them ahead of the Tampa Bay Bandits, who are 1-1. One and, one. and my reason for that is you're talking about consistency. The Bandits nor the Panthers have yet to really have a good showing. Like... That's fair. The, ba- the yeah. Bandits scored 17 points against the Maulers, but the Maulers have shown they can score more points than that now. Yeah, I think... Against a much... Uh, against a better team. I think it's... For me, it's still having some faith in the, the talent level that's supposed to be there that just hasn't shown up yet. Um, it did show up this week. None of that talent has showed up for the Panthers. You still have them above them. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So that's that's that's, that's why I'm putting the, the Maulers up there because the Maulers were able to show something this week and the other two didn't. And the other two I don't think I've seen anything from them that make me believe in them at all. So Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. again, I, I think that's you know, the defense getting a touchdown, giving that team some momentum and Josh Love finally stepping up. He still had some picks, but I, I think I think they could actually maybe win a game soon. Hey, well, let's let's see if it happens in week three. I think it's time we start looking ahead to this weekend's action and get picky with it. Nah, 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 nah. Picky. Get picky with it. Get picky with it. <laughs> I'm just going to do something different every week. It's going to be great. <laughs> Oh, I wasn't ready for the remix. <laughs> I thought of it today. I was like, yes, this is going to be good. I can dig it. I can dig it. Well, let's start things off on Saturday. We got a doubleheader over on Fox, and we kick things off at 4 p.m. in the afternoon with the Tampa Bay Bandits taking on the Houston Gamblers. Both these teams sitting at 1-1. One and one. Both of these teams need to get some wins under their belt. They both have struggled, especially at the quarterback position, and currently Tampa Bay, for some reason, are one-point favorites. I don't think that says much. I think that I think Vegas sees these teams as pretty equal, uh, and for whatever reason, they chose Tampa Bay to be the one-point favorite. Uh, an insignificant point. Uh, I think this could be an interesting game. It's a good game, a good opportunity for both of these quarterbacks, Thorson and Taomu, to to show us fans a little something. Show that they've still got that that magic flowing. They can go out there and make some plays happen. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting, interesting game to watch. Uh, who do you got, man? Uh... Yeah, one point in Tampa Bay's favor is not... I, I don't know who came up with... Again, I think it's what you talked about in the NFL season, not wanting to bet against Mahomes. They're not wanting to bet against Tamu, even though, like, 
Mahomes has shown that like he right. has the talent to like you should never bet against him. Tamu right. has not shown that at all whatsoever. And I think the gambler's defense is way too good for this to be the week that Tamu gets it together. Uh, so I am going with your Houston Gamblers. Uh, hmm. I don't know if I'm joining you on that. I'm trying to think. You know what? I'm I'm sticking with the Gamblers. I picked them two weeks in a row. Might as well stick stick with them for the third week. Uh, I, I just like we said the the defense for this team is is. Pretty dang good. I think they're in the top half of the league defensively. And the run game. The run game has been phenomenal. That's, what, that's what's kept them in games. That's what's won them their first week and what kept them in that game against Birmingham in, in week two. So I think that if they can get that run game going against, again, a good Bandits defense, I, I think they're going to have some success. They just, they're going to have to at some point well, I don't know if it's this game or if it's going to be later on in the season, but they're going to have to at some point, if they want to continue to be competitive, have to get good quarterback play. I cannot stress that enough. Thorson has been terrible. Uh, so it, I'm picking them, but I'm not hopefully picking them. You know, I'm, Well, hold on. How do I want to phrase this? I'm not confidently picking them. I'll say that. I'm hope I am I'm hopefully picking them. I'm optimistic that they can get it done, but I'm not I'm not thousand percent confident for sure. Yeah, I am a thousand percent confident. I I will take your confidence, sir. Well, and put it all on me because I just I think the gamblers' offense has other things going for it. Again, like their their run game was pretty good. Their defense is phenomenal, and if the Bandits... I think the Bandits' defense is worse than the other teams I that agree. the Gamblers played. So I, I think agree. if there's any if there's any game for Thorson to get a groove, or to put the backup in for, and for him to get a groove, yeah. this is... I, I mean, I, I don't want to put... The, I have seen nothing from Bahar to give me any faith that he is even yeah. slightly better than, than Thorson. Uh, for as bad as Thorson has looked, Bahar's looked even worse. So I I, I don't want him in. Um, yeah, I agree. I think, I think I think Tampa Bay is worse than than the Stallions and Panthers, at least defensively. Yeah, so I think if there's any game for Thorson to 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 find his groove, it's this one. Yeah. Well, listen, I like the confidence as as a gambling fan. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, let's move on to the nightcap, and boy, boy, howdy! Are the people at Fox probably ecstatic about getting this game Saturday night? We have the Birmingham Stallions, the two and O undefeated Birmingham Stallions, facing off against the two and O undefeated Nolans Breakers. Currently, Norlands are. Th- Three and a half point favorites, which technically they are the home team. If you want to go by this weird hub city that we're we're doing, they are technically the home team. But the Stallions are the real home team, and I think you know fans have turned up for one game each week so far, and it's been Stallions games. And I think people are going to be there. the The home team is undefeated. They're two and zero. They've looked good in both those games. These are the two most explosive teams. I think this is going to be a dang good 
game. And we get it Saturday night at 8 over on Fox. Who you got, man? I'm really sad that I'm going to have to miss this game, but I'm going to be at a I'm going to be at a concert, so but but I am riding the wave. I don't care how many <laughs> of those ponies of those pony fans show up to, to the stadium, okay? The breakers are washing over them. <laughs> it's happening. Adams is mossing everyone. Sloter is going to get... Uh, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think one of these quarterbacks, because I don't think anyone's done it yet, one of these two quarterbacks are going to hit 300 yards this week. Wow. Wow. That's my other prediction, but I think I think it's going to be Sloter, and I think the Breakers are going to, despite all of the Birmingham fans in attendance. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I've also got New Orleans in this game. I think the Ooh. I think they're the, the more explosive team. I mean, we talk about you know the Stallions' defense being good, but they also just allow 28 points to a team that doesn't have a competent quarterback, and. This New Orleans team is a, I mean, there's no other offense in the league outside of potentially Philly is close uh, off, offensively. Birmingham is also right there, but New Orleans is the best of the bunch. They are the elite offense in this league. Uh, it, it's it's weird to say that through two weeks, but that's what they've looked like. Uh, and, and defensively, they're just as good. Uh, and I think they'll be able to shut down Birmingham. And it might be close, and if it's close, I'm going to go with the more explosive team uh, in, in a shootout, and that's New Orleans. And if it's not close, I think that it's more likely to be New Orleans blowing out uh, Birmingham. So i got to go with the Breakers. If you want to look at points for and points against, so the Stallions and Breakers are... Uh, the top two in points for the Stallions have actually scored more in two weeks, 61. The Breakers scoring 57 hmm. in their first two weeks. However, the gap in points against, yeah. the Stallions have allowed 52 points between uh, the Generals and the Gamblers. Yeah. The Breakers between the Stars and the Maulers. Uh, no, was it the Maulers? No, the Bandits, the Stars and the Bandits, yeah, have only allowed 20 points. Yeah, I mean, they didn't allow that many on Sunday, wasn't it? Like three points? They it, was three, it was three points to the Bandits yeah. Yeah. and only 17 to the Stars. Yeah, which, you know, I just talked Went about. Out. I talked about Philly being one of the better offenses in the league, and they held them to 17 points. So, yeah, I... I yeah, this this, Philly, this Breakers team is legit. Yeah. So if if you want to go by that, by what defense is stepping up against good offenses between how the Stars have actually performed and how good Tamu and the Bandits are supposed to be, the Breakers are miles ahead defensively. So yeah, yeah, for sure. That that defensive wave is going to crash down on them ponies. Let's go. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Sunday games. Kicking it off at 2.30 over on USA, we have the P3 
Pittsburgh Maulers taking on the Michigan Panthers. Both of these teams are 0-2. These teams are at risk of falling even further behind uh, in this season. They've got to get some wins. And I think that both teams on paper have the talent to get some wins. We've talked about this Pittsburgh team and defensively being very good. Michigan has also been a solid defense. The offenses have struggled for both mightily. Pittsburgh looked like they were getting some things clicking on on, uh, this weekend. So maybe they can continue that into week three. Currently, Michigan are two and a half point favorites. Who do you got, man? This might be one we disagree on. Don't know. Because <laughs> I am actually picking Pittsburgh to win this game. Um, the Panthers can't hold on to the ball. The Maulers' defense have shown that they can get to the ball. Yeah, yeah. So all they have to do is just breathe on Shea Patterson or uh, <laughs> or anybody they got back there. And it's it's a fumble, so... I mean, all they have um, to do is just, you know, step up whenever the ball is snapped, and that offensive line just gets out of the way. So right, exactly. <laughs> um, and and I think the the Mahler's offense showed more promise this week than than the the Panthers' offense did. The defense did hold a good Generals team to ten points, but I don't think Panthers are going to be able to get anything going offensively this game either yeah so i think i think it's going to be a close defensive battle and i think the maulers are gonna pull it out part of me part of me wants to take michigan one because i think that michigan has the talent and two because eventually we've got to disagree on one of these four games um I but, I really thought I really thought you were going to pick the Stallions over the Breakers. Man. I was kind of shocked that you didn't agree that you yeah, agreed with me there. I mean, I think that game and this game are both kind of toss ups. Like I could see it going either way. Um, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh on this one for for pretty much the same reasons you just said. Where. Pittsburgh's offense actually looked like it was capable of doing something. I haven't we haven't seen that from from the Panthers. I mean, Shea Harrison, like you said, can't hold on to the ball. The dude's had like five fumbles in two weeks. Like that's terrible. It's awful. And, and, and like it's not just it's, him; it's the whole team. It's the whole team. Nobody <laughs> on that team can can hold on to a dang football. And like I talked in last week about how bad the offensive line is for them. And how guys are just getting through left and right to put pressure on them and getting sacks, getting tackles for losses, forcing the fumbles in the backfield. Their center can't snap ball either. He looked terrible in week one. I, I, I just, there's nothing great to say about this team right now. There's just, there just isn't. Uh, and yes, I have had them higher in my power rankings than, than, than Pittsburgh. But I feel like that's going to change after this game. I think Pittsburgh is going to go out there and handle some handle their business. The, the offense, like I said, looked competent this week. Looked like it had some things clicking, which is, you know, drastically different than week one. And if they can continue that against this Michigan defense, which is good but not great, I think that I think they're going to have success. I think that Pittsburgh gets it done. 
I'm trying to figure out how many sacks and tackles for loss Pittsburgh has gotten in two weeks, but that's not a total stat they have for a reason. So, uh, this week, the Maulers four sacks and two tackles for loss. So, not a ton this week, but I, mean, I think it was getting, last. If you're getting four sacks, like that's pretty good. Yeah. So, six, six tackles behind the line. And then they're lost to the bandits. They got behind the line <laughs> three sacks, twelve tackles for loss. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if there's a worse offensive line than the Panthers. So if they're getting past the bandits fifteen times, yeah, to get a tackle behind the line, oof. Yeah, and, and, and I've I've spoken before about offensive line being the most important position and probably the most underappreciated and undervalued position, but every every everybody on the offense, their play is directly affected by what those five guys do up front. The quarterback cannot pass if he doesn't have time. He cannot cannot get completions and, and put the ball in the air if he's not given time and space back there. The the running backs cannot rush a football if they don't have five guys blocking for him. The wide receivers can't catch a ball if they ain't getting thrown by the quarterback because he's on the ground. So everything relies on those five guys doing their job. And maybe that is why two of the quarterbacks that, that have looked the worst are Jordan Te'amu and Shea Patterson. It could be because their offensive line's are that terrible. Maybe these these quarterbacks aren't that bad. They just have five guys that can't block anything in front of them, especially for the Michigan side. If we look at rookies this year, Mac Jones did really well, made the playoffs. Pat's offensive line is pretty good. Trevor Lawrence did not I mean, look very good. I mean, unless unless you are a lights-out quarterback, you, you can't get it done with the bad offensive line. I mean, Joe Burrow is is an anomaly. Like, there's no reason yeah. why a dude that gets sacked nine times should win a playoff game. Uh, but he got it done against Tennessee and very nearly got it done in the Super Bowl when he was on the ground constantly. So it, it's like, those are, those are guys that can... I mean, we're talking about world-class talent at the quarterback level in Joe Burrow. Aaron Rodgers won, you know, a couple years was the most sacked quarterback in the league. Yeah. And, and he, he was still make, you know, making plays happen. Those type of guys can get it done, but these guys in the USFL cannot. They're not them or else they would have gone in the first <laughs> round. Right. Yeah, and I mean again, if you swap uh, if you swap like Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence, like if you put Mac Jones on the Jags and you put Trevor Lawrence on the Pats, I think Trevor Lawrence rookie of the year. It, you know, yeah, I think it looks a lot different for sure. Of the teams that rookies went to, same with the Texans. Like I think Davis, I'm on the Davis Mills train. If you put Davis Mills on the Pats, I think Davis yeah. Mills looks incredible because yeah, they have the guys to protect him long enough for him to use his talent and to use his football knowledge. Yeah, to get the ball where it needs to go. So, I mean, again, like it's the most important position in football, and it is speaking as a person who who played that position for a year when I was a kid. It is the most boring position to play, 
But like, you just hug a bunch of dudes. You got like, you, it's incredibly important, and I think a lot of teams undervalue it. Um, but is what it is. We'll see what happens uh, on Sunday. <laughs> we're both we're both still picking the same teams through three games, so we've we've, we've got to change that uh, on the nightcap Sunday night, eight o'clock over on Peacock. I think this is the first game that is exclusive to uh, streaming. I don't think it's that. I think, I think this is the first one that's not on like an actual uh, broadcast network or, or cable channel. It's over on Peacock. If you don't have Peacock, go pay, I think, like five bucks a month to watch this game or don't. You know, it's up to you. But we have the New Jersey Generals facing off against the Philadelphia Stars. Uh, currently, Philly is one point favorites. Again, I don't know where they're getting that one point from. Uh I think these two teams are are very very close. All of the one and one teams I feel like are are very close together, uh, and these these two follow suit. Both one and one. Uh, the stars looked like they had some offense rolling this past weekend. Brian Scott put on a show. Maybe he can do it again against a good Generals defense. Who you got, man? I think we're agreeing on all the games because I'm going with the Philadelphia Stars. As much as <laughs> as much as I've liked how the Generals looked, again, it's just one of those things where like and I don't know if it's their two quarterback dynamic. Uh because looking at the stats, neither quarterback like played bad this right. week. Uh maybe they should send one of those quarterbacks to Michigan or Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Or Tampa Bay. Just, but they just couldn't get points. Uh, Perez on only 13 out of 19, which is still almost 70%. Yeah. Nine, 97 yards. Couldn't get a touchdown through, through one interception. DeAndre Johnston, when he was throwing, 5 for 6 uh, for 50 yards. I know. That, I think they couldn't get a ground game going, which was huge for them against Birmingham. I mean, I also uh, think. I also think part of it is... And I think this is another thing to watch with this this two quarterback system that they use is that you don't really give either guy a chance to get completely settled in. Like when you're having to constantly go in and out, in and out, you can't fully get into a groove. Now, when they faced uh, Birmingham in week one, they did let Johnson at times run that offense pretty exclusively when he was when he was getting hot. The same with yeah. Perez. They both when they got hot, they they let him use stay in, you know, more than they probably would. But I think that getting to that point is going to take them longer because they're not staying in. Yeah, because it felt like when they were playing Birmingham that like the first half was pretty split between Perez and Johnson with it leaning more towards Perez. And then the second half I felt like was all DeAndre right, Johnson. Right. Sticking with the hot hand. Whereas this game, it was like it was a, a little bit more Perez. Uh Johnson uh, you know, six the six passing attempts and then also ten rushing attempts. But he right. just they couldn't get a run game going against the Panthers like they did. Uh so if they're able to do that this week, I think they pick up the win. This was the hardest game for me to pick. Was the the stars and yeah. the generals, but the stars 
they've they're moving up. They're no longer a bland bag of chips. They're starting to they're getting a little salt <laughs> on them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I think I think quarterback play, especially in this league, is so important. Uh, and as we talked earlier about Brian Scott, the dude looks like he might be the second best quarterback in the league. Uh, definitely top three, which isn't incredibly difficult because there's only eight teams. But when you look at the quarterback play of some of these other teams, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 pretty important. And Scott is looking very very good. He has a case to you know be whatever this league's equivalent of MVP. He has a case for it through two weeks. Um, so I've got to roll with Philly. I think that that offense has looked the best between these two teams uh, through two games. Their defense. I don't like Philly's defense as much as I like New Jersey's. Uh, so I think that's could, fair. I think this could be a close game. I think it could. It, this is one that I think could very easily go either either way. Um, but I'm rolling with Philly. Peacock's like the one streaming service I don't have. Like I have YouTube TV. <laughs> I have YouTube TV. <laughs> Are you telling me I have to pay? money to watch this game even though that, i pay like a million peacock. dollars for youtube I, tv i mean i said this i said this uh i think in the discord this past weekend that the one thing that the aaf got right over the xfl and the usfl is that every single game was available to watch in their app which the usfl doesn't even have an app at this point which they they need to get one because who doesn't have an app nowadays um yeah. but the AF broadcast every single game in their app. So it, they had a deal with uh, CBS. So CBS, I think once a week, one game was on CBS, their broadcast network. And then every, all the other games were on CBS Sports Network, I believe, which is their cable channel um, right. that nobody has because it's not nearly as good as ESPN or Fox Sports. Uh, and... But all of the games, regardless of whether or not they were on CBS or CBS Sports, were on the app. So you didn't have to have cable. You didn't have to have anything, which is huge. Like, we're millennials. We're the generation that stopped using cable. And Gen Z is even worse. Like, Gen Z could care less about uh, having cable or anything like that. So I think that if you want to appeal to the younger generation, that's the route to go, is make the games available for free to where people don't have to go and find legal sites to stream them on or, you know, the gray area of legality that is, you know, streaming. And you just open yourself up to a wider audience. That's just a smart way to go. That's that's my two cents on all of that moving forward. If the USFL successful and moves into, you know, a second season, yeah. they should definitely look into something like that. Yeah, even the NFL lets you watch certain games for free on your phone like whatever is whatever on your location yeah so yep the usfl could set something up like that or make like they have a deal with fox sports and peacock like just make all the games available on you know yeah that's the other thing like peacock has a free version doesn't it uh think so i don't know if that includes live sports but okay uh i mean that's the other thing is they have a deal with nbc in place so fox doesn't have its own you know streaming platform that you can pay money for you know 
ABC, right. ABC and Disney have their own thing. Uh, CBS has their own thing with Paramount Plus. NBC has Peacock. Fox doesn't have that. So if you have a deal with NBC, why not just put all of the games to where they're available on Peacock? To where yeah. anybody who pays for Peacock can get access to those games. Because I, I guarantee that would bump up Peacock's revenue. There would be, there would be some people like me that and and potentially like you also that enjoyed this league that much that they would be willing to pay, you know, five bucks a month or whatever it is to be able to watch them without having to search around for a stream or, you know, bounce around from, you know, what channel is this on this week? Is it on Fox? Is it on USA? Is it on, you know, FS1? Like, just put them all in one location. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I'm excited for week three. I think we got some good ones in the works. Yeah, I think this week of games, I on paper, looks the closest. Like, I think they're all about the same. The only one that, like, I think could be a blowout for me is Games Bandits. Um, I think the yeah. other games, whether they're high-scoring or low-scoring, like Stallions Breakers is going to be a high-scoring game. General Stars, I can see being a high-scoring game. Yeah, Mahler's Panthers is going to be low scoring but close. Yeah, defensive struggle. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, as always, we appreciate all of you fine people uh, listening and paying attention to us and joining us on the ride that is the first season of the USFL. Um, it's been fun so far, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited about the next you know month and a half, two months that we got. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for following us on Twitch. Come hop into the Discord. The link is in the description for the podcast. Uh, And as always, I think that's that.